0: Hello, I am Liz Boston. You are listening to Cut to the Chase with Gregory Proctor.
1: Hello everyone, this is your host, Gregory Proctor. Welcome to episode 26, Not Afraid. And from a quote from a good song that I tend to listen to quite often because I'm a huge Eminem fan, I'm not afraid to take a stand. It's been a ride. Everybody, I guess, had to go to that place in order to get to the place that you're at today. Now, some of you may still be in that place trying to get out. And if that's the case, just listen to our podcast and we will hopefully get you there. And so today, we have a special guest. Her name is Miss Elizabeth Liz Boston, and I'm going to call her Liz Boston. (laughs) For our listeners out there, we find that she is a go-to lady when it comes to best practices for business, and particularly around the assessment of human capital and acquisitions for mergers, Done through private equity firms. Liz is your lady. Liz began her career in human resources 20 plus years ago and has become known for her ability to determine the evolution of the organization's workforce ability, as well as her super skills for handling some of the most controversial issues. As we all know, listeners, there's a lot of controversial issues going on today, and we're, we're going we're to dive into some of those and tackle some of those. So in addition to that, her experience and passion for seeing women ascend through empowerment and unique skills set with their identity intact. Liz, the boss, the boss, Boston, it has an affectionate known business circle. She's become a champion of women in business a dispel of many methods and misconceptions surrounding women's empowerment. Liz has been an HR Advisor Consultant. She's been an HR Resource Director for Startups. Liz has been an HR Advisor Generalist Manager. She's been a District HR Manager. She's been an HR Manager. Liz holds a Master's in Human Resources Management and Personal Administration from the University of Phoenix my old armada that's where i got my bachelor's degree besides the university of illinois where i got my engineering degree overall to our listeners liz is a business-minded and top human resource professional with extensive experience in employee relations change management organizational development ipo acquisition executive compensation turnaround board of directors compensation committee committees payroll, training, and development, staff and recruiting, HRIS, and EEO compliance, she utilizes exceptional abilities to identify top talent to develop a high-performance team and optimize the accomplishments of any organization that she works for. So Liz, sometimes people say, Greg, you do such a horrible job of introducing me So, Liz, do you have any opening remarks for our listeners? For that, I think
0: you did a great job of introducing (laughs) me. It was excellent. It was right on point. Uh, The only thing that I would add to that that I don't normally tell people is that I also um, am certified as a coach. Uh, And uh, a lot of times I don't do that because the the way people handle coaching is differently and we try to lump it all into one, but I am certified to do that as well. So I usually don't tell that, but what everything you said is what I have done in my career. I've enjoyed my career in human resources. Uh, love it, still doing it. I now do it for the state of Texas and I'm happy to be back there because it is a different world in human resources from working in corporate America. Mm -hmm, mm
1: Mm-hmm. Well, certainly, certainly, Liz, um, you know, we are delighted to have you on board. Uh, We're looking forward to having this discussion around kind of uh, not afraid being our topic. And so with that, let's kind of just cut to the chase, you know, because I've got some questions that that i like to talk to you about and, you know, kind of get your interest and tap into some of your knowledge as well as your psyche, all uh, basically surrounding HR and and obviously women empowerment. And so with that, Liz, you know, we know that the the commercialized uh, private and public sectors right now are really going through kind of a tumultuous time with the fact that there's a lot of people out there that are laid off. And so we understand that with this ATS system, that people kind of basically provide a resume. And sometimes, you know, I, I think to our listening audience, we'd like to really know does the resume actually get looked at by someone of a human nature on the opposite side?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Great question. I would say for me, I've never seen a system an ATS system where it's looked at from a human side. Uh, I will say, of, of course, I was fortunate when they started with applicant tracking systems, there was, you looked at all the resumes because you didn't trust the system. And that was many years ago today. People tend to trust the system too much. So therefore, your resume is not looked at by a human. The machine does all the work. The machine determines whether you're a good candidate or not. So the answer to that is no, there is not a human looking at your resume. Very seldom that happens.
1: Right, right, right. So so as we're talking about this whole ATS and and just for, for those that are uh, that have seen the acronym just like me. I remember, I remember seeing the acronym many, many years ago. But I was, I was a business owner. But even as I was looking to acquire candidates, and they were like, "Yeah, we'll run it through our ATS system." I was saying to myself, "Well, what is, what is an ATS system? Is that some type of, uh, you know, throw everybody in a magic hat, shake it all up, and then you spit out somebody? Because, because ultimately, you know, how can you basically have a program that takes away all of the the characteristics of not just what's on paper, but what you would get from more of a real world experience in having some type of communication and dialogue. And so my next question to you is what are some of the pitfalls that you have seen throughout your career in dealing with the, these, this ATS system?
0: And in dealing with the ATS system, the, the major pitfall for me is that, it does not capture the true abilities and skill sets of the individual applying for the job. The AT system, ATS system is designed on keywords, mm-hmm. and being that it is designed on keywords, uh, an example would be, as you know, being an engineer. A lot of times, engineers they have they have great skill sets, but they're not good at writing out what they actually do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, if if I put an engineer out there, if I'm looking for a good engineer. If they haven't gone to get someone to, who really knows how to get around the ATS system, I'll say, then their resume will never rise to the top. So that is one of the major pitfalls. The other major pitfall is it's all this computerized. So it's all about coding and programming to be able to say, this is the person you want. This is the person who can do your job. And nine times out of 10, you get a candidate who is not qualified because they know how to do the keywords but the person you're actually looking for does not. Mm-hmm. Um, another pitfall is the way the system is set up and how people go in and put the information. So if I am looking for a HR person and I have my HR assistant say, go into the system and tell them I need an HR director, he or she may use a resume, for, I'm sorry, a they may use a job description from mm-hmm. 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I am looking for a whole different skill set. So now, as the leader, I get a bunch of resumes that do not work. I'm frustrated. I don't understand why they don't work. But the problem is the ATS system. Now, that assistant didn't put anything wrong. But as a company, most of the time, we do not update our job descriptions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what does that person putting the information in do? do? They simply put in what is on the job description and they don't talk to anybody about changes or anything that needs to be changed. That is truly a major pitfall of an ATS system. Right. And so those are the, the top things that I see that has to be worked on first in order for an ATS system to do what we really want it to do. I always tell people systems are designed to do what we want them to do, but we still have to have that human factor so that they can do what we want them to do. And unfortunately in the ATS system that has not happened. I think HR has dropped the ball and not done their, their homework or done their due diligence to make sure that systems captures the right candidates for them. And it also goes up to the CEO level where they're wondering why they can't fill the jobs, but they're not coming down into the trenches to figure out why it's not being done. And it goes back to that ATS system.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So so as I'm gathering what you're what you're stating there is that, you know, it seems to be that H.R. as a whole has become more computerized and therefore they're losing a lot of the respect of servicing the organizations properly by doing the proper due diligence that is needed to really vet, you know, the candidates thoroughly as well as having some human intervention involved with looking at the resumes it it totally sounds like it's all completely gone very much computerized which is which is something that I truly fear um, a, as a, as a, as a person that would would be looking towards say a recruitment agency to find candidates for us because I want to make sure that whoever I get is not someone that a computer has basically provided, but I want to have an opportunity to be able to say, hey, let's sit down, let's have some conversation, let's have dialogue, and let's be able to find out if this is truly a fit, you know, per se. So, what are your what are your thoughts about the fact that? HR has lost its uh, its backplane because to me, HR should always be the hub of the organization because it's your human capitalist component. You know, what you bring in impacts your cultural, it impacts your performance, it impacts your ability to survive. So what are your thoughts
0: about that? Well, my thoughts are this. First of all, HR's biggest mistake was allowing themselves to be separated from recruiting. Okay. In my career, recruiting fell under HR. So HR had that control. Now recruiting is its own entity, and what happens is everything goes to recruiting first. Mm-hmm. So HR has kind of pulled themselves out of the loop of what is important. HR has to be the face of the organization. They have to be make sure that what recruiting is putting out there is representing the organization and they're no longer doing that. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you talk to someone first, who do you talk to a recruiter? Back in the day, the recruiter would ask you questions that came from HR and those questions would lead to HR talking to you. Now you talk to a recruiter throughout the whole process until you get to the interview. You don't get to talk to HR until you are hired for that job. Or you happen to call and say, I know someone and they told me I should talk to you. Then HR steps in and they go and have your resume pulled or they say, let's get this candidate through the process to the hiring manager. Mm -hmm. There is a disconnect and the disconnect is so huge that before COVID hit, everybody thought there's so many jobs out there. There's so many jobs out there. Jobs went from the average time of being filled in 30 days to going to six months. It may have been 30 to 60 days, but it went from to six months is the average time for a job to be filled, which was ridiculous because we don't have a lack of candidates. We have a lack of people being reviewed correctly so they can become the right candidate. Right. And that is a fault of HR because HR is your face. And as HR, we need to make sure that we represent the organization and not allow recruiting to represent the organization because recruiting, I see them as a tool. And as the tool, what they do is they go and they find those candidates with those basic skills that we need, get them into the system, send those resumes to HR so HR can review for what is needed and what the manager is looking for because they've talked to that manager and now the manager can get the correct resumes. And that doesn't happen today. People might argue with me on that, but I know for a fact that it doesn't happen, I've seen it and it's gone on for years and it's continuing to get worse around around choosing candidates because they're letting the recruiting group handle that for them. So that's a major issue with HR right now and not being the face of the organization.
1: Mhm mhm Yeah and that, and and I and I think what you're stating there is uh, is a very powerful statement because um you know if we go back 20 plus some odd years or or even longer you know you 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 typically had more of a of a handshake that occurred and you, and, and in most cases that was done uh in person and uh it was it, it, there was a lot of things that were brought forward based on how you showed up, how you carry yourself, how you spoke, and how you act uh, throughout the process of the interview, and and now it's you know it's literally kind of snap your fingers or hey who do you know and uh, you know you're 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 either hired or you're in the mercy of going through uh, this uh, this ATS type of process, and so you've you've hit on so many great things that maybe we we can kind of tie into here just just for uh, a moment. So with the fact that so many things are kind of been broken apart and, and segregated into their own individual silos, do you find that now through your past experience, I mean like, like we talked about earlier on, you had over 20 you got over 20 plus years of HR experience. Do you find that organizations just kind of gloss over things? Do they just accept? Things, you know, w- without really going through doing their due diligence. I mean, do they not push the envelope anymore to to ensure they get the right people at for 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 what they're trying to
0: hire for? I mean, what what's your take on that? From an HR perspective, we certainly don't push the envelope anymore. Um, in my career in HR, when I was brought into HR, I was not just someone who said, "Okay, I am a." compensation person I am a training person I am a um, acquisition person you had to know it all and you were told that you needed to push that envelope and especially when it came to hiring because there were rules by government entities that we had to follow Mm -hmm. so therefore if a manager came into me and said I need to hire a candidate XYZ by this date and I put the job out there and we didn't get the candidates We didn't just say, just hire this person so the job could be filled. Mm -hmm. We made sure that we vetted those candidates very carefully and that we got the right candidates. Did we make mistakes sometimes? Surely that happens. But today what is happening is the pressure is on to fill these jobs. You have recruiting groups who are filling these jobs, who get bonuses based on the number of jobs they fill. So therefore... They're not listening to HR and HR is not pushing that envelope to say, you will not hire this candidate because they do not meet the qualification. They don't even meet the minimum qualifications. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. everybody is into this thing of, if you are not a person who uh, believes in the Dell model or the Facebook model or the Google model, which is uh, younger generations, that they're not good candidates. And that's wrong, that's untrue. Because everybody knows that knows that a, in, an organization needs that legacy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And if you don't have that legacy, you can't function. Right. Especially in when you're talking about engineering.
1: Uh-huh.
0: People don't come out of school and know how to get a machine that's 20 years old running. Right. Or get it programmed correctly, or get it to do the engineering that it needs to do. Uh-huh. That doesn't happen. So you need those legacy people in there to help with that. And so now what has happened in HR is that we're looking for everybody that um, can comp- can uh, program, can code. That's what we're looking for. And as you know, there every machine that is put into an organization does not necessarily live up to the standards of coding and programming from today. Right, right. And so HR doesn't, stop that and say, this person does not fit into our organization. While we would love to have them, we still need this person with 10, 15 years of experience because they they know those type of machines that we have. That's just one example. And it happens all the time. So HR is not pushing that envelope. Um, They're doing what they're told to do versus challenging their leaders to understand what needs to be done. And the leaders are looking for them to challenge them. And, you know, as a leader, if I'm sitting in an executive level and they're telling me I have to make a certain amount of money by a certain time, I don't want to hear what you have to say unless you can bring it to me in numbers. Right. And HR fails with that. We don't show it in numbers. We want to go and speak it in layman terms. And they need to see numbers because that's what they're being. That's what they're being judged on. So you bring it to them in the numbers of I can hire this candidate for you. I can pay this candidate $10,000 less a year to save you some money. But guess mm-hmm. what? Next year, you will have lost $20,000, 30000 because I didn't hire the right candidate. Yeah, And that's how HR needs to approach it. And we're not doing that.
1: Yeah. 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 That's those, those are all uh, just really insightful points. And, you know, w- with that being said, I mean, the, the other part of, of some of our, some of our dialogue today is, is, you know, we have, like you said, we have, We have leaders out there that are basically not really pushing the envelope and making sure that they they vet and do their proper due diligence and making sure that they kind of go above and beyond to find the right candidates. But also we have a social uprising that's going on. And so when you start talking about how HR deals with stereotyping, uh, woman empowerment, uh, conformity, with what's going on today in our society, what are your thoughts around how HR should be trying to adjust accordingly, particularly in the aspect of, you know, let's, let's just say there's not a well-diversified type of company and there's not a lot of diversity in leadership. What are some of your thoughts that you, you would, you'd be willing to share with our listening audience as recommendations that they should be considering Uh, at this stage as they're moving forward?
0: As they're moving forward, I think we have to get away from the biases of life. I think we have to start finding a way to recruit our candidates where we are not having all the background information about, and I know some of those things are required by EEOC, but there's a way to do that where you don't have to, you shouldn't know anything that you don't need to know about that candidate, unless it refers to the job, until that candidate comes in to work. And so one of the things that we need to look at is, how do we take the bias out of our hiring? Mm-hmm. Because it's there, and it's even more prevalent, I think, than it was 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunate that we're moving backwards instead of forward. You know, Taking the bias out will help us a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Secondly, I think that we have to understand when we need to hire certain generations when will they be beneficial to us and understand our job understand what we're looking for communication is going to be key in all of this and how do you communicate with your leaders to understand what they really want i guarantee you in just listening audience if i were to poll were to poll them less than five percent actually go and sit with their leadership when a job opening comes to determine how and what they need how they should post it and what do they really need
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: most HR managers have no clue if I called HR organization today and say I see you hiring an HR director exactly what is it you're looking for in that HR director what do you want what are the top three things you want from that HR director the answer would be uh, 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 and that that is one of the things that we should never do we should always know as HR, what we're looking for in our organizations and what is needed, mm-hmm. and that hiring manager depends on us to help them with that. So it starts with the biases and the communication and understanding exactly what you need from the for from the candidate that you're looking for. What is it your job? What is, do you really need an engineering for, for that job, or could it be an engineering too? Mm-hmm. When is it that you hire um, talent with? two to five years of experience versus 10 to 15 years of experience Sure. a lot of times we don't even know that we just go by what we think versus what is reality right so we right. end up hiring the wrong candidates there's a lot of work to be done around that and the way you do it is by thinking about um, about six months ago I'm, I'm going off a little bit but I was slated to do an HR presentation on how we take the bias out of our hiring processes. Well, wow. how do we get away from judging people based on age? How do we and you know when we talk about judging people based on age, it's not just about the over 40. Right? You know, young people coming out of college are struggling to get jobs. Mm-hmm. When I was in when I started my HR career, that was one of my top goals was to look at people coming out of college. I went to the, the colleges. And I went and talked to people starting college when they first started, when they left high school to see what they were wanting to do. Mm -hmm. Keeping up with those students to see if they stayed in engineering. Mm -hmm. Did they stay in accounting? Did they stay in business management? Who was going on to get a master's? Because that tells you about some leadership skills. Sure. You hired those individuals as interns. Now we use the term of we can't afford interns interns were key to our survival
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: and we've lost that because we use the excuse of why we can't hire them. And I'll be honest in HR, the reason why we don't hire interns, is not about the money necessarily. It's about the fact that we don't want to take the time to deal with them for the summer. Right. It's a right. Big, big challenge on our plate. Yeah. So we come up with every way why we can't do it. And but it was key to our organizations and the survival of our organizations. So we have to get back to doing those things, and that's the way we're going to do it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of this sounds so familiar to uh, uh, several of the uh, folks that I have in my company that are that are working on programs called organizational resiliency, and you know the the, the focus is on organization behavior and organization and cultural and. You know, you look at really the DNA of how you make decisions and the DNA of how uh, people integrate together based on different diverse backgrounds and how well they communicate. And it's a very powerful statement that you're making there because of the simple fact that it seems like all of that's been stripped off and we've just gone completely computerized. And as we continue to go computerized, it's about looking at, well, what has someone posted out there on their profile or... What is someone's age or, or what do they look like? You know, and, and those things, I totally agree with you. And I mean, my hats go off to you for initiating such what I consider to be a very moving task. I mean, if we were able to remove biases and everybody be cut from the same cloth and have more equality when it comes to job performances and skills and other things that are associated with making people live lives and be able to have the means to thrive and survive. I think that's probably uh, a, a good first step, you know, to correcting what we're dealing with right now. Because, I mean, it, it's, it's hurtful that when you get all the way through an application, I've heard people tell me this. You get all the way through an application and then it's usually the last three things that they ask you for. Are you male or female? Uh. What, what nationality are you? Did you, did you come... Out of the military, or were you disabled, or anything like that? And I say to myself, and you know, my listeners know me for being very, very just straight to the point. What the hell? You know, you've answered 50 questions, you know, just, let's just say 50 questions through this whole process of filling out all this information, and then you get to that last point. To me, it's almost like, uh, it's almost like, um, I I won't say a slap in the face, but it's almost degrading to a point when you have to say I've I've provided you with all the knowledge for you to grade me on my capabilities and my value and what I can bring to the table. And then you ask me these three questions. You know, it's almost like to me, what relevance is that when it really has no bearing to what your capabilities are, which goes back
0: to what you were talking about? Exactly. It does. And a lot of times what happens is that we get so caught up in the new thing of the year, whether it's Facebook or it's LinkedIn or any other social media platform that is out there that we forget about what we're actually there to do. I mean, uh, if the CEO, uh, if I could tell the CEO of LinkedIn one thing, it would be pull the pictures. There's no need for the pictures to be there,
1: Mm.
0: you know. Either you want to be a Facebook or you want to be for professionals, right? Right. And that's a decision that I'm hoping that at some point, LinkedIn says, now they tell you it's optional, but when you tell me it's optional and I have recruiters saying that, you know, one of the things that is in an ATS system is that if you don't have a picture a recruiter, won't look at you, or one of the ways to get highly ranked in LinkedIn is you have to have a picture. So. What you're telling me is I'll never find a job. So make it a fair and equal platform and just say there will be no pictures exposed. And when I, you know, I have a certain point when you, if someone says they need a picture, you allow that. Yeah. That there's something they could do to fix that. And it's the way that, you know, everything has to be revealed. And we're revealing so much to the world that it's impacting us running our organizations.
1: Yep, yep. Yeah, because we bring in so many external influences and so many other biases that kind of influence not only your cultural but your leadership decision making, how you perform and how you operate, because it all becomes, it comes down to, you know, whether or not it's going to be perceived favorable for those that are looking at, you know, what, what's that perception. And, uh, in a lot of cases, when you look back on companies like, you know, and, and I'm going to probably toot my own age here, but, you know, when you look at like, uh, your GEs and, and other companies that started up, you know, in the 50s and 60s and, and 70s, you know, there was a standard of code of ethics that they kind of governed by. Work was work and home was home. And I think you're absolutely right. I mean you've touched on very good points in this conversation. You know, the bias is being one, but now we've allowed for work and home life to get kind of commingled because now your boss can truly base some of his decisions on, on how he treats you with what he sees on your Facebook page or what he sees on your beliefs or what he sees in, you know, who you may be married to. And a lot of people don't think that that's a, 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 a conception, but don't be misconceived by that because from my standpoint as being a consultant, I've seen those things happen, you know. You've got, you've got someone at work that is very professional and they do what they have to do, but yet, you know, hey, their, their personal life is their personal life. Maybe they're, maybe they're, you know, doing whatever, but I mean, it may not align with the overall goals of the organization, but the organization, once they get wind of that, they basically say, well, you know what? We can't, we can't move forward with you anymore. They find a way to push you out. Right. And, uh. That's just that's just being, you know, very, very harsh and and very much that that creates a whole nother uh, category of, uh, of, of of being stereotypical in, in, in my in my context of of, of stating it.
0: <laughs> right. You're exactly right, because it even happens with, uh, you know, I had an opportunity to uh, substitute teach at a high school. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I recognize is that a lot of these students do crazy stuff and they grow up and they realize they shouldn't have done it. Mm -hmm. And because of things like Facebook, TikTok, uh, Instagram, all those things, people go back and look at those things and they are judged based on something they did as children, which for them was enjoying life and we did it too. Oh yeah, absolutely. So why do we have the right to judge? But our society has come to such a, They they've gotten to this thing where everything has to be talked about. Everything has to be noticed. And you know, okay, Liz is a great candidate. She's you know, she went to college, she went to the best college there is. So, but let's see what she did on Facebook, let's see what she did on Instagram.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's so unfair, and we have to get away from that because we're losing such great people. We're not able to even prosper in our business because we're so concerned about things that don't really matter to the job, yep. and I also blame uh, blame the government entities. Mm-hmm. EEOC has gotten to the point now where everything is pushing paper, right. and that's one of the organizations that I know. You know, there was a time where if you didn't turn in your EEOC one report on time, your organization was being looked at. Mm. Today, it's like whatever, right? So we, you know, all the entities that used to govern us to keep us honest are not being honest themselves. Let me put no, yeah. it that way. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, and, and you're,
1: you're there's right.
0: a there's no governing governing over hiring right now. People yep. are doing what they want to do, and that's mm-hmm. unfortunate mm-hmm. because I can tell you with all the rallies and everything that are going on today, people are going to be judged wrongly. Yes. And that's unfair. And so. You know, as HR, we have to figure out a way that that doesn't impact our hiring. And we are the ones who can be the voice to the leaders of our organization to say, let's not even go there. Right, right. If you, let's judge the person based on what they can bring to the table. And we are gonna utilize the systems we have in place to vet that candidate to make sure that they can do the job. That's what HR is designed for. That's what it is there for. And we got to get away from that thing of, well, you know what? I'm not at the table when they talk about it anyway, so I'm just going to leave it alone. Mm -hmm. You have a voice. And there's a way to use that voice, but use it so that it can be heard. Because I can remember working for a company and saying, you know what, I'm just not going to say anything else. Mm. And I remember one of the leaders coming to me saying, if you don't say it, how am I going to fix it? Right. Now, you may think you're not being at that table, but I talk about how much value you bring to me. But if you don't keep bringing me that value, how can I talk about it? Yep. 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 So people have to start stepping up. We have to start getting out there and saying what we need to say. Excuse me. A lot of times we worry about being fired. Right. And people are not thinking about that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a way you approach people and they will hear you. Yep. Yep. But you got to walk in knowing that it's not about ensuring that you are right. It's about ensuring that you are heard and that you have given them the information they need to make a solid decision. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times as HR, we don't do that. We don't we don't even come close to giving them the information they need to make a solid decision.
1: Right. right. Wow. Well, I, I tell you, Liz. You know, I've I've learned a lot just uh, you know listening to you, and you know, even even you know becoming friends with you and chatting about you know before this podcast, and you know, it's it's an eye opening experience to understand the importance of where we are today in our society, what has transpired, how we ended up getting into this position, and yet now trying to figure out how do we get out of it because. It, it almost seems like history, like you stated earlier, is repeating itself. We're going backwards. And, you know, for, for a nation or country that is touting itself on being so great, a country that I served as, you know, a service member, and, uh, you know, for, for us to be in the predicaments that we are and have certain aspects of things, like you said, things that should be governed that are not being governed, you know, it, it just it just leaves you to wonder, you know, if I pull back the curtain on, on this uh, scenario, what am I gonna find? And the same thing would go for, for any other scenario. I mean, it, if, if companies are operating like this now, it's scary. I mean, you know, and we're needing companies to do the right thing because now people are needing companies for their survival. Now people are needing their companies companies for their livelihood. And it's not getting any easier out there, it's getting harder. And so if companies are not willing to step up, as you as you've alluded to, then, you know, who knows where we will end up in five or 10 years if we continue to go down the path that we're going down right now. I mean, I I just I just don't even want to imagine that. I mean, it it would be it'd be very saddening. You would have a we would have a country full of independent contractors, probably. Right.
0: (laughs) That's exactly right. You know, that is exactly right. And that's unfortunate that we're taking those routes when we can do better. We have the right people to do better. Mm -hmm. This is still a country where people are wanting to come and work. This Mm -hmm. is a country where we have some of the best education systems. People would say, no, our education systems are not as good as some countries. I I guarantee you we are. The problem is we don't give people a fair chance to show us what they can do. Mm -hmm. because we we we're allowing we're allowing computer systems to come in and tell us what they should know tell us who they should be tell us why we shouldn't choose this person tell us that you know out of these 10 candidates i pull you two females and actually 10 females were qualified Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we have to get away from and and understand that computers are tools Yep. and they have not figured out how to take away the human factor. Even Walmart wanting to go with robots, they still need the people to make sure the robots do what needs to be done. When the robots go down, they still need the people. So they have to figure out how many people they need in case that those robots go down because the system went down.
1: Yeah, yeah, So we
0: haven't gotten to the technology yet that takes away that human factor. And until it does, HR has to stay in the game.
1: Yep. Yep. To- totally, <coughs> totally, totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. So, Liz, this has been this has been phenomenal. I, I my God, I mean, I I didn't even know kind of, you know, how this conversation was going to evolve because, you know, we had talked about so many great things uh, prior to this discussion. But but ultimately, you know, I want to I want to commend you for coming on board. Uh, as a guest and uh, give you an opportunity if you have any any final remarks or any tidbits that uh, you would like to leave with our listeners
0: um, my tidbit would be to that HR community to get you know to get away from thinking that you are an HR to know everything and looking at it because I think a lot of people go into HR because they see it as prestige mm-hmm I went into HR because it was a passion of mine Mm -hmm. and I always tell people when I'm talking to them about HR is if you don't have a passion for it, don't stay in it because it is one of the most stressful jobs there is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you are afraid to speak up, you're not ready for HR. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I would say to people out there in HR, look at how you're functioning today and go and look at the things you can change and make those changes. When you're talking to your leadership, stop talking to them in layman terms about this, you're hiring this, you you need to hire five females. Look at it from the money aspect because that's how they look at it. Start looking at things differently from the way you do it today. And I truly believe if they do that, they will see a lot of progress in the way things are being handled. And lastly, see how you can become have the recruiting group back under HR where you have some type of control of what is being done when it comes to hiring. Right.
1: Right. Right. Wow, those those are those are just outstanding points and and certainly to our listeners that are listening out there, you know, that is the primary reason why Liz the boss Boston is not Afraid. I mean, it was a perfect title for the perfect candidate to come on and feature guests to be able to have on the show and share all of this wisdom with us. Liz, my hats go off to you. You know, if, if we were sitting across from each other, I'd give you a big hug. You know, this, <laughs> this is only the beginning to uh, a long-term friendship and yes. uh, camaraderie, and uh, I certainly appreciate it. And to everyone that has listened and everyone that has stay, uh, tuned in, Uh, We certainly appreciate you. We know that times are hard out there. Keep your head up. Stay positive. God bless you all. And please, by all means, be safe. This is Gregory Proctor, episode 26, Not Afraid, featuring Elizabeth, Liz, the boss, Boston, my friend. All right, everyone. (laughs) Take care, everybody. Goodbye, Liz. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Bye-bye.